Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take research from the equine industry and we try and make it accessible for owners and horse enthusiasts. Remember that each horse is an individual, so you should always seek professional advice before implementing any of the topics or research we discuss. This week, we're looking at a really interesting um, website called eBark. So that's E hyphen B-A-R-Q. And that stands for the Equine Behavior Assessment and Research Questionnaire. And it's essentially a questionnaire you fill out based on your horse's behavior. It's really thorough. There's lots of different questions in it. And I highly recommend it to anyone who is interested in horses. And you don't have to have, you know, a great background. You can be a novice or a beginner. There are questions that account for everyone. But I actually hadn't heard of this website until Nancy told me about it last week. And I think it's just absolutely brilliant. And you found the same, Nancy. Oh, I went to the summer virtual symposium for the International Society of Equitation Science. And they did a presentation on eBark. It was Kate Finner, who it's part of her PhD project. And um, I was really impressed because number one, it's free. And number two, it assesses your overall horse's management, training, and behavior, whether it's ridden or non-ridden. You can even have a driving horse that um, you can mark and go through the assessment. And um, it's a platform provided by the University of Sydney, and it investigates how horse training and management interacts with behavior. Now, over time, the project will provide researchers with information on how our training and management affects behavior and how, in turn, behavior affects horse welfare. So it, I just can't um, say enough how if every horse owner get online, they if you have six horses, you can do six surveys and it's free and you will get a graph on how your horse's behavior training um, uh, compares to the average horse's training uh, behavior management. And it's just so cool because they break it down into horse and owner demographics. So it's like breed, horses age, um, age started under saddle, age handling began, current age, the age at which you took your horse on or purchased the horse. And then the people, it talks about your experience, your, your age, your horse uh, proficiency, or um, if you're a professional or a novice, and then your riding discipline. And you just go through, it does take 20 to 30 minutes to complete, but well worth it when you get that graph. It's just um, a really overall comparison of what your horse needs to work on or what your horse is doing really good at. I think that was the thing that surprised me is, you know, you look at your horse with one view, you know, with blinders on, especially if you've had that horse for a number of years, 
you know, essentially you build a narrative with that horse and how you describe them. And I certainly was that way with my mare. Like when I would think about her and I would think fondly these things, but she is stubborn. Um, and that would always come to mind first. You know, she's headstrong and she's stubborn. And then when you look at, you know, the results you get, it does base it off, you know, the total population that have submitted information on this questionnaire. And you start to realize, you know, actually, I've got a pretty good horse. You know, She's not that bad. Um, and I was really interested in, you know, the human social confidence, because as I was going through it, there were questions like, you know, will she stand for being shod and for the dentist and for the vet and things like this? And when you go through all the different questions, it turns out that actually her social confidence is higher than the normal population, which surprised me because she's basically she's not stable. She's just out in a paddock all year round. So I thought she would have had a bit more of an element of wildness to her. And I had just overlooked that. Actually, she is really good. She does stand for me. She doesn't try and back away. You know, I'm quite lucky. Yeah, I I kind of felt the same way. I My first e-bark was on my 23-year-old chestnut thoroughbred. And, you know, she's kind of semi-retired. We use her for pleasure. She likes to be used. She just doesn't like to be uh, in a pasture um, you know, she really looks forward and seems to enjoy when we work with her. So um, she, the one thing, she was high in almost every category except boldness. And, you know, I was thinking on that. Why isn't she up to par on the boldness? And, well, we quit taking her off the farm at about the age of 20, we started just saying, you know, it's stressful. She's older. We have other horses we can take off the farm. And she's kind of semi-retired. And I think uh, she was much more bold when we were taking her places and getting her off the farm. Because um, the other day I hitched up my pony to a cart and I noticed it was a big deal when I pulled that cart out of the barn. Um, the thoroughbreds were like, what the heck is that? <laughs> you know, and Greta was probably one of the most uh, inquisitive on it, but she wouldn't approach it until the other ones had approached it. The cart didn't eat her. So then she was okay with approaching it. But you know, that boldness, and I think it's tied in with time you spend exposing them, uh, taking them places and actually doing things that are out of the norm. Well, you know, what's interesting is my horse is semi-retired and she marked really high for boldness, like well over what the total population would be. But I think a big part of that were the questions in relation to boldness. So she's on, in a field that's on the side of a hill, but it does border. I'm going to call it a main road because it is a main road in Ireland, but in American terms, I'm sure it's just a small <laughs> road. It wouldn't be anything, you know, it's just one lane each way. But a lot of tractors would pass um, and buses and, you know, vans and things like that. So she's not afraid 
of anything like that mm-hmm. her two fears in life are donkeys and bicycles <laughs> and bicycles are hit or miss sometimes she's fine yeah well and I don't know I mean um I wonder if it's a chestnut thoroughbred that's kind of the difference but the other bay thoroughbreds were uh, more accepting of the cart and they I mean, their tails were up and they were snorting, but they approached it and they did that, um, get closer, leave, get even closer, then leave yeah. and until they were up sniffing it. It took her a little bit longer. She sat back and kind of watched them. And I thought, you know, the boldness on our survey she was lacking in that just a little bit, but that was the one point she did not get beyond the average. And I saw it in action when I brought that pony cart out and we just received the pony cart. So it hasn't been here, but a week. So I had never brought brand new to them. It was brand new. What I did was acclimate the pony to it first. And then I thought now will acclimate the thoroughbreds because the pony will be pulling this cart around the farm. And all I need is four thoroughbreds racing around the pasture with the pony pulling the cart, you know, so I I better get everybody on board that this cart is okay. And, um, you know, the, the survey really reflected her behavior as I brought out this cart. So anyway, we're going to be working on boldness. And I think I'm going to put her in the trailer and take her to a farm and, and maybe start to kind of reinitiate uh, confidence in her again, you know. I think that'd be a great question for Kate when we have her on <laughs> next week as well to see whether it would make a difference, you know, that she was with the other horses almost as if, is that her place in the herd now that she's a bit older? She lets them, the younger ones suss it out? She's the alpha, but I've noticed as she has aged, the other ones go seek things out and she stays eating, but she keeps an eye on them. So she, as an older mare, she's gotten a little more relaxed in being so demanding. She's, yeah. you know, but if they challenge her, She's all about putting them in their place, you know, but um, I was surprised because when it came out boldness, she's always been buddy and we went places and, you know, she was one of my first racehorses on the track that I was in charge of and boldness was never a problem, but maybe in semi-retirement pleasure riding on the farm only, she's lacking a little bit of that feeling like you know bold our confidence you know and how did she score then on her human and non-human confidence um human social confidence she was way ahead of the average but non-human social confidence she was way ahead too because I mean she's not afraid of cows or dogs or bikes or anything because our road is is a country road but we get 
bicyclists and runners and we get uh, sometimes horses walking by and then you know with riders not just horses walking by (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then you know a combine here and there a tractor but um, you know I just think when it's something like that cart brand new she let the others be the brave ones to check it out first. So um, I think um, even novel object confidence like umbrellas and uh, fireworks don't even upset her, but the cart totally different, you know? So, and I was so surprised that the, uh, this eBark survey picked up on that. Yeah. I thought what was, um, cool about the survey as well is some of the questions it asks you you know if you're used to like one way of writing or one way of doing things it does actually make you reflect Mm -hmm. because one of the questions was asking about you know using a rising crop or um a schooling crop or whip and I was like oh I I would actually just never take one with me anymore Mm -hmm. like it would just never cross my mind but that's then like to be fair we don't ride my horse very often um and she's only been ridden once since she had an accident there probably last year the year before um and she lost her eye so the picture that I put on Instagram is her good side she's missing her right eye in that photo (laughs) but yeah since then we've just kind of given her a bit of a break because to be honest she never really seemed to enjoy it And I do wonder if it was things like one of the questions said, how do they react when you tighten the girth? And she would always swish her tail and turn around and kind of like, you know, Mm. not go for you, but almost like warn you, like, you know, stop doing that. She would lie down and roll over sometimes if she wanted to stop riding. Um, And she would nap a lot. She would refuse jumps. And I know some of that behavior would have been, that I would have accidentally rewarded it. So she would have continued because I really did learn how to ride while having her because mm-hmm. I got her when I was, well, I had been riding for a number of years, but I got her when I was 13. So I was still so young. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's made a big difference in her as well. I think so too, because even me being a, an, you know, adult and not really being into horses um, as a child, I can look back and think where I didn't give the release or the reward uh, fast enough and some of the behaviors I might have actually uh, rewarded and kind of allowed that behavior to continue. And so um, looking at the questions, it really makes you think about what bits you're choosing Uh, what discipline of riding, what are you doing pre-ride? Are you lunging for 30 minutes, which Kate always says that, you know, a tired horse can learn nothing. And as well, a fearful horse is not capable of learning anything of significance. So it really gave me an overview that sometimes I'll pull one of the thoroughbreds out of the field and I will groundwork them five minutes just to give me a clue. What are they, what is their reaction going to be today? What kind of a mindset are they in? And then it kind of gives me 
uh, information that I can use when I do get on uh, as to what kind of day they're having, you know, and so I'll use it more as a tell me what you're rather than wear them out to make it safe for me to ride. So I think a lot of people will benefit just going over what training and what your riding regimen is before you get on. It's so true. And do you know, lately I've been watching um, like more videos and things that pop up on Instagram to do with um, clicker training in horses. There's one brilliant Instagram page. It's called The Willing Equine. And she does clicker training with her horses. And it's just fascinating and it's something I never seen growing up like we trained our horses with you know um just negative reinforcement Mm -hmm. and to see them using clicker training and the horses are just incredible you know what they're doing for her with just hand signals um really makes me excited to at some point when I'm not living in a city (laughs) Uh, get another horse and just train it from scratch and do the positive reinforcement. I think it, it, you get a much more willing partner when you do that. Now there will always be some form of pressure um, that you apply, whether it's leg pressure and, you know, that you release. And as adults, I am much faster releasing than what I used to be. But um, I think what's neat is this uh, survey system can reach four equine stakeholders. So you've got your academics who have access to so much information from all these horses that are being input into this system. And then you have your coaches and trainers um, that are able to fill out the surveys on their horses and give their input. And then you've got your professionals like your veterinarians, um, your farriers, your body workers, um, your, you know, um, people that maybe um, are more like giving a service to the equine community. You have them filling that out. And then you've just got the horse enthusiast and 63% of the surveys filled out are horse lovers, horse owners, horse enthusiasts just just want to get an overview of what's going on with their horses. So I thought that's really neat because what it gives is like a standardized tool that we can all be inputting in and looking at what we're getting out of it as compared to the average. So it's not like you're on this road of training your horse or owning your horse alone. You're able to input and kind of get an overview of what everybody else is going through. And you can repeat it as well, Mm -hmm. can't you? Yeah, every six months you get the, they want you to fill out another eBark So um, every six months you're getting an update because how often do people go to a new boarding barn, change one of the management techniques or training techniques, and then you get a reflection of whether you're improving your horse's welfare or if maybe you've kind of digressed. Like for me, I didn't realize um, 
you know, maybe via age or her personality that she was not as bold as she used to be when she was younger. Now, that's my observation because I didn't do an e-bark when she was younger. But thinking back, um, you know, I need to now work on reinstilling her boldness. You know, at 23, she, you know, it's never too old to begin working with a horse, even if it's an older horse that you don't want to ride anymore, but you just want to give some enrichment to, you can use this tool to try and improve some of the objectives that the graph is showing you need improvement in. Definitely. I mean, we're never too old to learn and they're never too old to learn. And I used to say this all the time working in practice because people would say, you know, oh, well, my dog is six or seven and he's always done that and he's set in his ways. And, you know, the idea that you can't teach an old dog new tricks is just a complete fallacy. Like you can, (laughs) you know, we're all capable of continuing to learn. That dog would rapidly learn if you moved the treats to a different cupboard. It would only take three goes of you opening that cupboard for him to know, okay, they're kept in that one now. So I think, you know, food really is such a good reward for teaching them. And I did see in this as well, they were saying, you know, some horses will just respond to touch and to like getting a scratch on the neck Mm -hmm. um, or that human contact, which I thought was so lovely as well, because obviously we don't want to just be constantly giving them treats and we need to train them too. that when we're riding them, we need to give them some form of reward that's not just the release of pressure, but it is, you know, that scratch on the neck. So they know they're doing something right. Yeah. And it's easier to, I always like doing a scratch on the withers with a good girl or good boy and in a certain tone of voice and couple those two together because that kind of just reinforces, um, you know, the positiveness of that moment. So um, I usually will, scratch the withers and give a treat at the same time during groundwork to make that bridge to the scratch on the withers you know as a a positive reinforcer so um, it's just so cool because you know this is something you can use for the rest of your life of yourself as a horse enthusiast but also for your horse And so much research is going to come out of it because they can continually carry out different studies based on the growing number of questionnaires that are submitted. And as well, if you do decide to um, fill out one of the eBark questionnaires, um, which me and Nancy both highly recommend you do, if you have any questions that you want us to ask Kate next week, just try and send them to us before Wednesday. I need to remind myself what date Wednesday is going to be next week, the 16th, the 16th. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So if you do just, you know, send us a quick message before the 16th, if you've any questions um, and we can see if Kate has any answers or, you know, if she can shed some light on why a horse might, you know, come up as being really bold on the, quiz but then maybe not be independent you know things like that like how some of them now my horse came up on both so to me that makes sense but if it didn't align and mm-hmm. um, how that might be possible as well yeah because Greta came up with high independence but less boldness 
So um, what, you know, I would think it would be the line of questioning. So like um, behavior would probably be under general anxiety and then separation anxiety. And then, um, you know, it would be somewhere in there on the different questions that they would be asking that they could pull that factor analysis out. But we're going to let Kate explain all that because um, that's fascinating how they came up with such a good tool that could foresee these things and help us in our pursuit of making better horses and making things better for our horses. Um, I also wanted to add before we conclude that um, if you enter a horse into eBark and then you sell the horse or the horse passes away, they do have an exit survey because what they're interested in is knowing is long-term welfare of that horse. So if a horse continues to be sold and then resold, um, they want to know that and they want to delve deeper into the questioning of what may be the reason for that. Because, um, you know, they want to be able to tie things together to help us kind of see what we may be doing wrong or right. Yeah, and I think like this really is such a space that can just grow within the equine industry, you know, from the top of my head. And there may be apps, but even at that, you know, there's none that spring to mind. So I think there is just such a marketplace to develop apps that do help owners in their training and help improve horse welfare at the end of the day. Yeah, and I do think um, I read or maybe Kate even the uh, symposium is that this was the first tool of its kind. And so, you know, check out to the canine and the cat um, one as well, because, you know, usually horse owners have dogs and cats too, or at least a dog or a cat. So, um, you know, you can go and fill out surveys there too, and it might give you a little enlightenment on your management and uh, training skills. Perfect. I think that's a good note to end on. Okay. Um, just to say that do send us in those messages. You can even voice note us. So you can send us a little voice message on the homepage. Um, and there's that listener support button too, if you do want to support the research that we look into. And just drop us a message if you're interested in any topics or there's anything you would like us to cover or anything you want us to elaborate on further. Okay. And I'll just add that it's E hyphen capital B capital A capital R capital Q dot org. And go ahead and enter your horses in as many as you want. There's no cost and you'll get a graph in about 10 minutes time. So it's really, um, I think a useful tool. It's definitely worth it. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Kate. Talk to you next week, Nancy. Take care.